DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents the Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He's also the author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life, including Spiritual Consolation, the book on which this series is based. The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits, with Father Timothy Gallagher. So welcome back, and we'll pick up with our reflections on Ignatius' third rule. And we're contrasting the tactics of the enemy and the good spirit in the second spiritual situation. So as we said, in the first spiritual situation, think of Patricia at her college age. Um, good, if it's spiritual consolation, it is only of the good spirit, because as Ignatius says in his Rule 5, in that first spiritual situation, the good spirit guides and counsels us. And so we have all the clarity that we need. Whereas in the second spiritual situation, as we're saying, if it's spiritual consolation with preceding cause, further discernment is necessary. And as we've been saying, this is a pretty important thing for a person in the second spiritual situation so that we can discern clearly and pursue the path that God is calling us to pursue. Because at this point, Spiritual consolation with preceding cause, the more common form of spiritual consolation, may be either of the good spirit or the enemy. Patricia has spiritual consolation with cause as she reflects on the text in Matthew 25, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And good and holy thoughts about serving the refugees arise. They are bathed in consolation. There's joy, a sense of closeness in the Lord. She is in the second spiritual situation and she knows, and please God, a wise and competent spiritual director will help her to know that she needs to discern this further. The same thing with Charles, Deacon Charles, who experienced the spiritual consolation at the thought of serving the youth, which will uh, impact his uh, present fruitful service in finance and liturgy in the parish. And Kathy, whom we've just um, uh, looked at, who experiences also spiritual consolation with the thoughts of the inner city Paris. And this is spiritual consolation with cause as she prays with Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. Now, the fact that the enemy can give at a certain point in the spiritual life and uh, can give and does give spiritual consolation is not something that Ignatius alone says. He's very rooted in the longstanding Catholic spiritual tradition in this. And I've just given some of the references. Diaticus of Fodice, for example, writes very clearly about this. The classic of Eastern spirituality, the Philokalia, St. Augustine, St. Bernard, Catherine of Siena, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross. Many of the, the key figures in our spiritual tradition recognize the fact that the enemy can give spiritual consolation in an attempt to lead those who love the Lord away from where the Lord really wants them to be. What is special to Ignatius in this, as in so many other things, is that Ignatius not only recognizes this, but crafts a clear, concrete, and usable way path toward clarity 
in what is, uh, as he calls it, a greater discernment of spirits, when the enemy is now imitating the tactic of the good spirit. So, Ignatius addresses our question, how can we discern whether consolation with preceding cause is of the good spirit or of the enemy? Now, as we've been saying from the start, and consciously so, Ignatius does not attempt to discern spiritual consolation with cause given by the good spirit from spiritual consolation with preceding cause given by the enemy through an intrinsic difference in the experience of the spiritual consolation itself. Is there an intrinsic difference between spiritual consolation understood with cause given by the good spirit or the enemy? Is there a different quality in the way the person experiences the spiritual consolation given by the one or the other? There may be. But if there is, Ignatius, who is uh, so practical in all of this, recognizes that this would be so difficult to sift out in practice that Ignatius does not attempt to help us discern spiritual consolation with cause given by the one or the other through some quality of intrinsic difference between the two. Uh, we, We would simply wind up confused because this would be so difficult to sift out. So Ignatius does not attempt to help us through looking at an intrinsic difference between the consolation given by the one or the other, but by something extrinsic to the spiritual consolation itself, which is much clearer in practice. And this is, uh, as he it simply alludes to it in this third rule, and he's going to uh, develop this at great length in the next rules, the later on, what happens as the uh, good and holy thoughts with the thoughts of some initiative given with the spiritual consolation with preceding cause, what happens as those thoughts unfold over time? So that as the discernment unfolds, so for example, in the three, five months, whatever it will take as Kathy meets with Father Mark, or in the whatever number of weeks it will be as Patricia meets with her spiritual director, exploring whether God is calling her to serve the refugees or not, Ignatius is going to watch what happens in the person as during these weeks and months as the discernment unfolds. And by noticing what happens, he will uh, show us a path to clarity as to whether that spiritual consolation was and is of the good spirit or of the enemy. And this is where Ignatius is going to turn in the next three rules. So the later on that he's going to have us look at is in the process of the discernment itself. As I say, during those weeks or months uh, during which the person is in in discernment. And this isn't a marvelous thing because there's going to be no harm. If this process is done properly, if the person discerning and the spiritual director do their parts properly, and let's say Kathy and Father Mark, her director, do their parts properly, However this unfolds, they're going to catch it before any action is taken, and so no harm will come to the person, which is the beauty of what Ignatius is doing in the second set of rules. So let's look at an example, and if you take in the handout, you have this on page 10 in the handout, and this is Barbara. Barbara is a single professional woman in her early 30s. Her relationship with God began early in life, and has deepened over the years. She prays with scripture each morning upon rising and attends daily mass during her lunch hour. 
God's love has become very real for her. Barbara is active in her local community and her parish. She is intelligent, energetic, and warm-hearted, and others find her presence welcome. Is Barbara a person in the second spiritual situation? Judging from the description of her that we have here, that's a very real possibility. Five years ago, Barbara began spiritual direction with a priest in her parish. At present, with the accompaniment of her director, she is discerning her vocational choice, marriage or religious life. She has just made an eight-day Ignatian retreat with this question in mind. So, a generous person, clearly at an important juncture in her life, as she is discerning her vocation. Now, during the retreat, when Barbara contemplated the life of Christ during her retreat, she was deeply moved by his birth in the greatest poverty, Ignatius' description of that birth. At the director's suggestion, she returned several times in her prayer to the poverty of Jesus, who, after so many labors, hunger, thirst, heat, and cold, injuries, and affronts, again Ignatius, gave his life on the cross out of love for the world. As she prayed, Barbara continued to find this contemplation a source of abundant uh, consolation. So Barbara experiences warm and abundant and repeated spiritual consolation as she prays with the birth of Jesus. Clearly, this is spiritual consolation with preceding cause. There is a spiritual object, her meditation on the scriptural account of the birth of Christ and his poverty. A new desire to love and follow Jesus more in gospel simplicity of life was born in her. So we have the situation very likely Ignatius um, presents to us in the second set of rules. A person in the second spiritual situation receiving spiritual consolation with preceding cause and good and holy thoughts about new steps, uh, possibly uh, potential new steps toward growth in the spiritual life and in service. And in Barbara, This takes the form of a delight in living more directly in her own life, the poverty of Jesus, simplifying her life. Now Barbara has returned from her home. Already she has found ways to simplify her life and renounce unnecessary possessions. Each new step gives her joy, and she delights in her newfound freedom in the Lord. This morning, Barbara rises and prays with the gospel of the day. She reads the words of Jesus to the one who seeks to follow him. Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. As she reads, a warm sense of God's love arises in her heart, again spiritual consolation with preceding cause. She hears Jesus speak these words to her in a deeply personal way and a great desire to share Jesus' own complete dependence on the Father awakens within her. As she prays new thoughts concerning how she may simplify her life, still further, new thoughts arise of this kind. Barbara rises from her prayer and begins her day with joy in her heart. So what do we say about this experience? Is this spiritual consolation and the good and holy thoughts that accompany it, are they from the good spirit so that Barbara may rise from good to better as she imitates the poverty of Jesus increasing in her, increasing in her life, she will grow in freedom, her prayer will deepen, her love for the Lord, her availability in service? Or 
Is this spiritual consolation with preceding cause and the thoughts of simplifying her life still further of the enemy so that later on he may bring her to harm? Let's say that she pursues this too aggressively in a way that eventually leads to a weakening and a discouragement and a lowering of her enthusiasm for her spiritual life. Which of these two is it? Rule three doesn't give the answer. It simply states the problem. But simply, that is enormous. Just to realize that discernment is needed, that Barbara recognized, and when she speaks with her spiritual director, that he helped her to recognize that discernment is necessary in this situation is an enormous thing in the spiritual life. We'll return to the second week rules for the discernment of spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher. As we move now toward Rule 4, we'll see Ignatius begin to prepare the solution to the problem. So thus far in the rules, Ignatius is laying out the issue. Essentially, that's what he's doing. And as we move toward the latter half of the rules, he's going to start to give us 
norms, practical guidelines, which will lead us toward the solution of the issue. And Rule 4 prepares the solution by describing the enemy's tactic to in a person in the second spiritual situation that is laying out for us what he has simply intimated briefly in Rule 3 as the later on. He'll now go into more detail about this. So let's read the text of Rule 4. The fourth, it is proper to the bad angel who takes on the appearance of an angel of light. That's the biblical reference from St. Paul. To enter with the devout soul and to go out with himself. That is, to bring good and holy thoughts conformed to such a just soul. And afterwards, little by little, he endeavors to go out, bringing the soul to his hidden deceits and perverse intentions. So, Ignatius begins the rule by telling us it is proper to the bad angel. That is, what what will follow is the way in which the bad angel, the enemy, will characteristically operate in the second spiritual situation. Again, enormously valuable to, to have a clear feel for this. All right. So, it is proper to the bad angel who takes on the appearance of an angel of light. Quoting St. Paul in the second letter to the Corinthians, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of life. This is an image to portray the fact that in the second spiritual situation, tempting under the appearance of good, giving spiritual consolation with preceding cause and associated good and holy thoughts, what the enemy does is to imitate the good spirit. And that's what Ignatius means by taking on the appearance of an angel of light. Um, imitating the good spirit in the attempt to deceive the person who only wants what God wants, the generous person in the second spiritual situation. But if the enemy is successful, will 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 um, feel or or conclude that something that is not actually from the good spirit, but from the enemy disguised, taking on the appearance of an angel of light, uh, bringing such consolations and thoughts. You know, I don't want to go any further before saying this. There's no cause for anxiety here. Uh, This is simply a tactic of the enemy, and there is a way to be aware of it, understand it, and to reject it, um, which is the great gift of this second set of rules. All right, Ignatius now lays out the tactic of the enemy. The enemy will enter with the devout soul and then go out with himself. Having said that, Ignatius explains further, that is, it is proper to the enemy to bring good and holy thoughts conformed to such a just soul. That is, conformed to this person's desires, talents, energy, love, capacities. So, for example, when the enemy, um, if it is the enemy, bringing the consolation with preceding cause and the thoughts of serving the refugees to Patricia, the enemy brings good and holy thoughts about something that is conformed to Patricia. She has this warm and loving heart that goes out to the needs of people. Um, What the enemy doesn't bring, for example, is a temptation, let's say, to go back and get a doctorate and teach in a university and serve in that way. That would not be conformed to Patricia. And it would have no traction in Patricia. What the enemy does is to bring good and holy thoughts that are conformed to Patricia and to her strengths and her love of the Lord. And Barbara, let's say Barbara was raised in financially 
uh, difficult circumstances, a somewhat poor family. He never really had very much. Let's say she's athletic. Uh, she's used to the discipline involved in, in sports. Uh, let's say she, her temperament is such that she loves a challenge. And the thought then of simplifying her life and the more Spartan quality of it and the discipline involved will be conformed to Barbara if, in fact, this is the enemy attempting to push her to harm through this. Uh, the same with Kathy, who is such a marvelous teacher. And the thought that the enemy brings, if it is the enemy, to her will be conformed to this, to teach, but to teach in a different school, which may not be where God wants her to be with the harm that will follow. And for St. John Vianney, this man of such deep prayer and such a crushing daily pace of pastoral ministry without the time that his heart would love simply to immerse himself in the Lord, the thought of the contemplative monastic life is certainly conformed to him. So the thoughts, the good and holy thoughts that the enemy brings are going to be conformed to the just soul. There'll be something that will draw that person if the person is not discerning, which again is the goal of this entire second set of rules. So the enemy begins by bringing good and holy thoughts conformed to the just soul, to the person in the second spiritual situation. And then afterward, little by little, and let's just note the little by little, very gradually over time by small steps, so that the progression will remain unperceived by the person. So, over the weeks and months of their respective discernments, as um, Patricia and Kathy and Charles and Al, uh, Barbara, as they discern, through that time, the enemy, enemy will attempt little by little to lead the person away from where God wants the person to be. And then, having done this, finally, he endeavors to go out bringing the soul to his hidden deceits and perverse intentions. If he's successful, and let's say that um, the Lord does not want Patricia to serve the refugees, and with all goodwill and uh, good intentions, she concludes that God does want that. At that point, she has been brought to his hidden deceits and perverse intentions. Again, if she and Father Mark are both doing their parts properly in the discernment process, no harm will come to her because they'll see this before she makes any choice, uh, choice in practice. All right, and let's just note the vocabulary here, the hidden deceits, um, just a nuance in the vocabulary, which says something. When Ignatius speaks about the deceits of the enemy in the first spiritual situation, this is in the 14th rule, he speaks of the enemy's manifest deceits uh, to give up prayer, uh, to regress and turn toward low and earthly things and so forth. It may be a struggle for the person, but the deceits are manifest, to use Ignatius' word. In the second spiritual situation, with its greater discernment of spirits, with the enemy now taking on the appearance of an angel of life, the deceits are more hidden, and it will take greater attention to, um, to perceive them, which is basically, that's the deep call in, second, uh, in, in discernment according to the second set of rules. It's great attention. To what's happening as the enemy brings this tactic. Let's watch Ignatius say uh, the same thing with the same vocabulary in a letter that um, um, we'll cite now. So he is describing the strategy that the enemy employs to draw a good soul to what is bad, precisely the second set of rules, that situation. He enters through the other's door and comes out his own. He enters with the other 
not by opposing his ways, but by praising them. So the enemy enters with the other. He enters with the other. As we've been saying, if this is of the enemy, uh, this thought of the refugees to weaken the, um, the, the work for the poor in the parish that she'll otherwise do, you can see that the enemy enters with Patricia according to the warm, loving, affectionate heart that she has that goes out to those in need. And uh, with uh, St. John Vianney, this man who loves prayer so deeply, the enemy enters with the other, with uh, St. John Vianney in this case, proposing a life that will allow him to immerse himself deeply in prayer. So he enters with the other. He acts familiarly with the soul, suggesting good and holy thoughts. That's the same vocabulary as in the rule. Suggesting good and holy thoughts that bring peace to the soul. Kathy, what if I served in the inner city parish and I grew closer to the Lord in imitation of him through that? Patricia, the refugees, Charles working with the young and all the others were seeing. So in, in every case, he acts familiarly with the soul, suggesting good and holy thoughts that bring peace to the soul. Patricia, Charles, St. John Vianney, Kathy, Barbara, in every case, the thoughts that come, um, if in fact these are of the enemy, certainly come in a way that uh, brings peace and joy to the person. Later, and there's that quality again of time, over time, later he tries little by little to come out his own door, always suggesting some error or illusion under the appearance of good, but which will always be bad. So later, and this is where the discernment is really going to come in. In the little by little of the later, the weeks or months in the process of discernment, and he will always suggest some error or illusion under the appearance of good, the tactic of the enemy in the second set of rules. So the tactic of the enemy is, this is the way one commentator sums it up very nicely, to begin by going the way of a devout person. Patricia, you, here are people who, who, who desperately are going to need help. And you are, and she is a person who loves to help in these situations to begin by going the way of the devout person and end with that person going his way, moving away from what God really wants for that person. All right. So summarize rule four. The enemy as an angel of light enters with the devout soul. So that day that Patricia is at Sunday mass. Matthew 25 is read, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Warm spiritual consolation arises, good and holy thoughts of serving the, ref- the refugees. The enemy enters with the devout soul and then afterward, little by little, tries to bring the soul to his hidden deceits. So we have these three moments in the enemy's tactic as Ignatius outlines it for us in the fourth rule. Now let's note a shift. In rules two and three, Ignatius focused on the spiritual consolation. Without cause, surely of God in rule two, with cause, rule three, either of the good spirit or the enemy. Presuming that the person has received spiritual consolation, in this case now, with preceding cause, in the following three rules, Ignatius is going to focus on the good and holy thoughts that accompany the spiritual consolation with preceding cause, because it's by focusing on what happens as these good and holy thoughts unfold during the process of discernment that we're going to get clarity on whether the spiritual consolation and those thoughts are of the good spirit or of the enemy.
So uh, you'll see in the vocabulary of the next three rules that Ignatius is now going to focus on the thoughts, the good and holy thoughts, and what happens as they unfold. Good and holy thoughts that accompany the consolation without preceding cause. If we are attentive to what happens to these good and holy thoughts as they unfold during the discernment, we'll be able to discern whether the consolation with preceding cause and these good and holy thoughts are of the good spirit or of the enemy. It's just um, an amazing thing that Ignatius was able to see this so clearly and share this with us. Just a wonderful gift for the entire church. Uh, And this is what each of these people will need to do. Watch the unfolding of the good and holy thoughts as they go through the process of their discernment. Father Gallagher will continue the teachings from Conference Talk 4 in our next episode. You've been listening to The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download the podcast version of this conference, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. To view Father Gallagher's video presentation of this conference, visit discerninghearts.com or the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Second Week Rules for the Discernment of Spirits, an Ignatian Guide to a Greater Discernment of Spirits with Father Timothy Gallagher.